Welcome to All Power to the Developing, a podcast of the Eastside Institute. I'm Lois Holzman, co-founder and director of the Institute, and I want to tell you where our title comes from. The Institute is a center for social change efforts that reinitiate human and community development. We support, connect, and partner with committed and creative activists, scholars, artists, helpers, and healers all over the world. Way back in 2003, Institute co-founder, the late Fred Newman and I, had a paper published with the title, All Power to the Developing. This phrase captures how vital it is for all people to grow, develop, and transform emotionally, socially, and intellectually, if we are to have a shot at creating something positive out of the intense crises we're all experiencing. Our hope is that this podcast series will show you that far from a slogan, all power to the developing is a loving activity, a pulsing heart in an all too cruel world. Welcome to this episode of All Power to the Developing. I'm Lois Holtzman, and I am your host for today's episode with Makiko Kishé. Makiko hails from Japan. She is an educator. She's a very creative uh, graphic artist, and she's a global traveler. Perhaps most important to us today is that she is a performance activist who has been one since before that term came into existence. We'll hear all about all of that today. Makiko, welcome. Hi, Loi-sensei. I'm very happy to be here today talking with you. Good, well, um, I'm gonna call you Mako, which is the name that you prefer. And later on, you'll tell us the history of that and how come you like it. But to begin with, Mako, tell us just a little bit about um, your background before you became all the things that you are now and how it is that you became a global traveler. Okay. So the, hi, my name is Makiko Kishi. But the, as Roy Sensei said, please call me Mako. The, the, this name is called by my friends in the world. And I was born in Osaka in Japan and uh, grew up in Osaka too. And uh, after I graduated from university, the, I worked for the two years and went to Syria and uh, started to work in Syria as international volunteers the, to support the creating audiovisual materials for the Palestinian refugees in Onirwa, United Nations Relief Work Agency. After that, I came back to Japan and went to graduate school to study education technologies. 
And in the process of studying the education technologies, I found the qualitative research and I started to pay attention more cultural historical approach. And at the same time, that I worked in Myanmar and Turkey and other countries to in the education field. And now I got the associate professor of the university, Meiji University in Tokyo. So this is a very simple one. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds very simple. Um, and also I would say to my ears as an American, it sounds very unusual for a young Japanese woman to have done all of that and traveled all over the world. What were the beginnings of that uh, travel and how did it impact on you? Okay, so the first travel to the abroad was Australia when I was uh, in secondary school uh, because my cousin was living in Australia and I love her so much and uh, I wanted to see her. So that's why I decided to go to Australia at the time. And uh, after that, the uh, university in the first year in the freshman, I started to travel to Mexico. Mm. And uh, at that time, major countries, the people like to go is United States, Europe, and something like that. Mm -hmm. So it was very rare to go to Mexico, but I was studying Spanish at the time. So I was very interested in uh, being uh, traveling the country spoken in Spanish. And in Mexico, I was very surprised because people are so nice and people helped me a lot. So, so far the traveling as a, in other country was something like to visit something a new place. But in Mexico, I found how interesting to interact with people and found something that different myself. Mm. After that, the, I took one year out and traveled from uh, the North Africa to the Central America for one year and three months, four months by myself with a small backpacker. <laughs> and uh, at the time I challenged myself to be something new because in Japan, honestly speaking, I was not so, how do you say, the comfortable in myself that it actually, the, it was okay, but I feel something I cannot describe who I am. I do as people want me to do. I did. I become people who I want, who I will become the people like me to be. But I didn't know what I want to be become. Mm. And in the world, uh, I met many people, and uh, I challenged uh, something new identity. For example, in Egypt. I met Nubian family and stayed there for two weeks with uh, the Nubian family in the village. At the time, I didn't speak the Arabic quite well. I spoke a little bit the small, simple Arabic, but the people accepted me as a family and they helped me a lot. The actually, to be honest, that their life level is uh, very different from Japanese one, but I was so fulfilled. I was so, how do you say, happy with them. At the time, I started thinking who I want to be, who I, want, I should be. 
So that is kind of、uh, a trip to search my identity.、Mm. You've said so much,、uh, Marco, about、um, socially determined roles and culture and, and identity and being who you are and who you're not at the same time. <coughs> Things that are very dear to my work and the work at the Institute. and What we understand development to be.、Um, can you think back onto how you felt during certain moments in this transformation and realization that other people, I, I assume what you're saying, I, I hear you saying that other people help you to keep becoming who you are.、Mm-hmm. Uh, yes, the, I have many cases. The, I want to share some the two, two cases in Vietnam and、uh, the Syria. And in uh, Vietnam, the, uh, Vietnam, I mean, the, the, the Southeast Asia, I met very ethnic, how do you say, ethnic tribe, the people. And at the time, I was very interested in global issues. So that's why the, I was thinking I want to do something for them.、Mm. So when I went there, my identity is something like to help them to some way.、Mm-hmm. But actually, the, while I stayed with them, I was always helped by them. And they accepted me as a friend and a family. And sisters, and、uh, I start thinking,、mm, it's something like the how do you say, the w- as long as I think they are something like target I should help, I couldn't create this kind of relationship、mm. that I changed, and also they changed. So, this kind of finding that changed myself, for example. The, I very often go to the other countries, the Syria, Turkey, Myanmar, and the other countries for the educational development. And、uh, usually, my position is something like to help people, but I don't do this because the, during my traveling in the world, I found relationship is very powerful to create our development. As long as I Start interacting with them the, as、uh, supporters, they become the be supported. But when I start interacting with them as starting something new, new activities, we become something like the friends and peers and the collaborators, and both of us can develop together. Mm. So, this kind of stage, this kind of place is very important, not only. For me, but also for them, for us. So now, the really the way of interacting people changed.、Hmm. So, would you say that、um, the idea of helping,、um, which comes from a good instinct, of course, no matter how you do it, but usually we think of helping people.、Mm-mm. As giving them what they don't have. In other <laughs> words, you have something, they don't have it, and you're trying to give it,、Mm-mm. like food or money or education.、Um, I think you're saying something different. 
about help. I think you're saying it's much more of a, if you will, a relational activity. Yes, yes. Yeah. Especially in seniors, the I realized this, the, the after the working the, in Tokyo as a journalist, uh, I went to United Nations Relief Work Agency in Syria to support to support the Palestinian refugees, the, I mean the children, K to 12. And uh, at the time, actually, my position is something like to help people, but uh, the, I found it was not because uh, the if, as Roy Sensei said, if I help, they are be helped. This is very socially determined, but we start the having a new relationship to create something new. For example, we challenge something activity we don't know how to do. We haven't experienced. So I do what I can do. They do what they can do. And we try to connect, we try to collaborate, we try to integrate, and we respect each other. We start the feeling appreciation and respect. After that, we create a very, very strong developmental relationship mm. to create something new always, continuously. That sounds um, such a gift. Uh, yeah. Do you have any examples from that early work in? Um... Syria with the Palestinian refugee children? Uh, yes, we have a lot. For example, the um, uh, let me share the project, what I did between the Palestinian children and the Japanese children. And uh, the 2005, six, seven, around then, the, we have this kind of the online collaborative project between Japanese and Palestinian children. And in the first trial, I failed because when I connect these children, Japanese students thought the refugees is very poor and we have to teach, we have to help. So these Palestinian children feel very shy and ashamed to be helped with the same age mm. of the Japanese student. So the Palestinian children say, I don't want to talk because the Japanese have a lot and we don't have, there is nothing to share. So we failed and I reflected what was wrong. So I found, yes, that actually through my experience, the place all of us can give is very important. But in a failed project, the only Japanese tried to give and the Palestinian children thought there is nothing to give. Mm -hmm. So that is the reason I failed. So the, in the second project, we changed and developed the new activities that was the picture book project. So this picture in the project, the respective school created the characters uh, from Palestinian children, they created characters named Ibn Battuta. And the Japanese student created character Sakuran Samuran. And the three characters traveling from Palestinian to Japan, like Palestine, Syria, Iraq, Afghanistan, India, Cambodia, Vietnam, and Japan, something like that. And this traveling in a book, in the internet, this is very new. So I shared some pictures I used to took in, when I was traveling and the students start conversation based on these pictures. And for example, in Iran, 
Like Ibn Battuta taught the Saklan Samulan, oh, this is mosque that Muslim people play. Actually, Japanese students didn't know what is mosque. So the Ibn Battuta taught a lot about the Islam, the cultures, and also mosque. So the Samulan Saklan surprised a lot. Oh, you are very smart. You are very kind. You are so the the Sakuran Samran, I mean the Japanese student, start showing appreciation and respect. So the gradually their relationship become more and more developmental. So before the Japanese student thought our refugee is something a vulnerable student and they don't have some, they don't have enough things. But this idea changed a lot. The relationship on the stage in, on the internet is really neutral. So there is a space that both students are able to give. So by giving their talent and experience, they achieved more, how do you say, the brilliant <laughs> activity. Yes. What you're saying there about giving and development is so um, new to people, I think. You don't usually think of it. I mean, I, it's very important to me that that is and, and um, I know some people who work uh, in various refugee camps around the world, uh, in particular now in Europe, when the influx of, of refugees across the sea. And um, it's exactly what they're, 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 they're saying, that uh, how do you create environments for the refugees to, to give? And mm -hmm. as simple as making tea. Instead of always being given things, always being given things, and um, and and what a revelation it is when you can create that for people to be appreciated for what they can give and what they have to give. So um, that's great. We're going to take just a very short break right now and come back, and then you'll tell us about about Mako and the and the creation of Mako. The Eastside Institute is a hub for a diverse and emergent community of social activists, thought leaders, and practitioners who are reigniting our human abilities to imagine, create, and perform beyond ourselves, to develop. Each episode will introduce you to another performance activist or play revolutionary from around the world. The Institute is independent of government and corporate foundations. Our work is entirely funded by students and supporters. If you would like to help the Institute expand its developmental work, please make a contribution by going to eastsideinstitute.org and click the Get Involved tab, where you can make a donation. Thanks. And now, back to our conversation. We're back here with uh, Makiko Kishé, and I was, um, I'd love to have you share with our, our audience, our listeners, uh, how you chose the name Mako and what it means to you. Uh, the meaning the Mako to me, okay. So Mako is something like the very important to me since Mako is one I perform who I want to be in the world. So my name is Makiko Kishi in birth and uh, the fam as family registers, Makiko Kono. But 
now that my friends in the world call me Mako. And when I was traveling the world from the Africa to the Central America as a backpacker at the age of 18, 19, the people call me Mako. And I, at the time, that was very free from Makiko Kishi, who socially determined. And uh, I was very free from what I should do and what I should be in my country in Japan. And I tried to be different from myself, me as brave, me as small girl, and me as boyish, and me as something like assertive girl, and me as very, very typical Japanese, and me as a very positive one, and so on. And through performing different kind of myself, I found what kind of myself I feel comfortable with. And the feeling tell me who I want to become. And when I spend, as I already told, when I spend with my family, Nubian family in Egypt, I was a family member of Nubia. And when I spent time with ethnic family in East South Asia, I thought the world that I thought of my world from their viewpoint. And also when I walked removing mind of that that walked removing mind, bombing mind, that in Cambodia with ex-soldiers, that I felt their history and found how complicated their life is. So that always that I was very diverse. I feel I'm very diverse and I felt very free from who I was in Japan. So to me, they are my teachers and friends and uh, one I should help and one, I, the one who helped me. So from this experience, I started to feel the, how do you say, that I start to feel uncomfortable to see people in something like uh, social determined the mm. matters. For example, when I, the before, before, long time ago, when I see refugees, I thought they are target to be helped. But now I don't do this at all. The, I can see they are, that I can create relation from the beginning. From we, I always start the conversation with them, and both of them that how do you say decide what we want we want to be through the conversation. Mm. That is very changed. I did. Thank you for that. Um, what you're saying reminds me so much of something that Lev Vygotsky said um, in many many different ways, but I actually think he might have used these words. That we become who we are through others. Um, and when did Vygotsky become important to you? Because I know that he his work is has been influenced influential on you. Mm -hmm. the, when I met Vygotsky, the actually the it was very narrow the definition because uh, the, in the instructional technologies, the idea of Vygotsky is something like uh, scaffolding, mm -hmm. how to help children to be developed or something like that. But 2015, when I read your book, actually the Vygotsky at play, that my mind changed and I started to the knowing the ideas that of developing and I started thinking more our world and our mind, our identity is more relational and completing. 
And especially what I really like, the, the, especially the concept I like is social completing, uh, you always said. <laughs> <laughs> For example, um, the before, the before, the, the, the idea of Vygotsky is very narrow. I try to prepare the educational environment the, where students can, the, how do you say, challenge something. But right now, changed. The, I always starting the I myself is one of the environment. And uh, I also one person who complete the student ideas and the student speaking. And also student is my partner to complete my ideas. So, so far I always uh, divided my role as a teachers and their role of student. But now I thinking that stage is always created by together. Right, right, you're both creators. All of you are creators. I noticed obviously that you've been using the word stage and perform and performance. And um, how, how do you see development through the lens of performance, through the glasses of performance? What do you think the relationship between human development, community development and performance is? How do you see that now? Mm, the, the, let me start with uh, the detailed the case. For example, in my class at universities, the, I stopped asking the student, do you have ideas? Do you have questions? And basically students don't raise their hands, especially in Japan, but I changed. The, is there anybody who starts conversation? And uh, now the most of the students able to start conversation uh, by these questions. So performing is something like uh, the, how do you say, the stage that people are able to give what they have. For example, if I ask, do you have any questions? The only student who has knowledge are able to ask. Mm. But if I change, is there anybody who starts conversation? Everybody can give to some extent because they have, they have uh, how do you say, the experience, they have some emotion. All, everything they have are able to be the resource to start conversation. So hmm. do I ask your question? It's very complicated. Please <laughs> complete my ideas. <laughs> <laughs> well, you completed with your response, you completed my question, and now I'll complete your response with my response, yes. and we'll go back and forth there. Um, yeah, I mean, I think you're saying the the typical classroom is is, is if if you want to use the language, it's a stage for showing what you know. Yes, and you are inviting them to create a different kind of stage with you a much more improvisational stage, a stage where people can throw things out and then you figure out together what you wanna make out of it. Yes. Um, and, and so I think we both agree that's, that's a developmental stage. Yes. Yeah, that's very lovely. 
Yeah, so uh, always the conversation that becomes something like unexpected. That so far as the, when I read the report of a student, many of the students show me very similar ideas, but now it's very, very distinct, very diverse, because in a conversation is very diverse. So that's why the, 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 I feel they are creating their speaking, their language. So that is very different from who I used to be because so far as the, our language is something like not ours that we are using, only using, but I feel now we are creating the world, creating the speaking. Yes, yes. Um, that's wonderful, creating instead of just using, yes. <laughs> and um, tell us about the work you're doing right now with um, teachers of children with special needs. Oh, I think okay. this is so fascinating. I'd love our listeners to hear about it. Yeah, thank you very much for giving the chance to talk the project that between uh, the, with the handicapped children. The, I have a friend that who worked in the school of special needs, the, especially the physically special needs. How, how can we say the, the, the challenge? Is it okay to say that special needs? Yes, yes, it's <laughs> fine. And uh, the, my friend said that I have uh, questions that, that my, I want my student to challenge something because the, my student is physically, physically challenged and they have no, they, when I ask, what do you want to do? They say nothing. And is there anything I can help or nothing? Because uh, we, I don't have something I want to do. The, actually, the children of the special needs at school meet only family and doctors and school. I mean, the teachers, doctors and parents. So they live very narrow the world. So my friend said, I want to, my student to meet the, out of the school. So that's why we started the having a conversation project between these students of special needs with university students. But actually, the, the student of special needs cannot speak very well because of the handicapped. For example, some student has problem in moving mouse and some children cannot move their how do you say, hands and bodies. So the, we are starting, how can we communicate? At the time, the, with my friends who developed the avatar robot that give me uh, tools to communicate. And this avatar robot are able to move by the move of eyes and also the very simple move of fingers. So the student of special needs are able to operate the avatar robot with finger and eyes. And uh, instead of them, the avatar robot are able to speak and also able to move, like lace hands and uh, clapping or something like that. Right, I wish, I wish our audience could see it, could see the robot, but um, we can't. <laughs> uh, um, but I can just imagine, yes. Uh, can I show the robot and can you describe instead of me? Sure, I'll try. 
<laughs> Let's get the robot. <laughs> this is a robot. <laughs> he's he's very cute. He's looks like he's plastic. He's has a body and two very large arms that look like wings and two eyes. And um, he's about two, a foot, one and a half feet tall. Okay, thank you. It's great. <laughs> so the students, for example, they, when they have questions, they raise hands. And when they want to speak, they speak. And they can see that as uh, the people do. And uh, in the first stage, the, when students use this robot, they just, uh, how do you say, speak hello, and my name is Kazakaza. And, and uh, the, they said, I, want, I haven't been to university and I want to see the university. So the, my student, the university student, introduced the campus of university to this student. And the one university student said in a conversation with between them, the one student, the one university student said, uh, the how is how different the my university and your school? And the student said, uh, my school doesn't have steps, and most of the building is universal design. And the university said, students said, oh, really? I haven't been to the handicapped school and I want to see. So this student said, oh, are you, are you interested in my school? If you like to see, I can ask my head teachers to show my school. And the student asked the head teachers. This is something very, very new because the usually the student doesn't have a chance to talk with head teachers because nothing to talk. But the, the student start having creating something what they want to do with university student. And after that, they very often have conversation and through conversation, they create what they want to do, what they want to be. And one of the students said that after graduating from school that I have nothing I want to do. But right now that I found that using by this kind of avatar robot, I might be able to do something for the people. I want to do something for the people. I want to be not be helped. But if there is something I can give, I can contribute, I want. And he now working with this robot. That's wonderful. That's wonderful. Um, what's your next project? Where are you taking this wonderful um, helping people who think they have, who get related to us having nothing to give? Mm -hmm. How, where are you taking being, creating environments for them to be very, very giving and to grow through that? What's your next, what's your future? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, my future plan, and actually, this is a continuous, uh, continuing plan, is that I want to create the stage for the refugees, the Syrian refugees. The, by the Elena, the, your student, the, I visited Greece, Lesbos Island, and uh, observed one stage the host community people and the refugee people create one stage for performance stage and they develop the relationship and the community and personally. And I found this is really, really powerful developmental stage for the old people, not only refugees, but also the host communities because after this stage, the people start talking. Mm. 
So the, after that, we started do it in Turkey for the Syrian refugees, because many of my friends from Syria evacuated in Turkey right now, and they are very isolated. And uh, the, many of my friends said, hi, Mako, I'm very happy to see you. At the, my, my life is okay, I can live, but what is most uh, suffering is there is nothing I can do for the people. Mm. This is very fundamental issues for the refugee people because the, they are something like target to be helped and they are helped, but nothing to do for the community and for the people. So now that I and the local SNGO are creating some stage, the refugee families are able to contribute what they have. For example, last time, what we did is kind of cooking the events for the children. So the, I invited Syrian mother and Turkish mother that cook together for children. And uh, so far, the, they are target to be offered food. But when I asked that your food is very good, could you please help me to cook for the kids? And their family was very happy because there is something to contribute it for the children and for the society. So this kind of opportunity is very important. They, are, they have many things, they have many talents. So there is any place that we can invite them to perform something they can challenge. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, what do you think it will take to, to make the approach that you're taking more popular? That's my last question to you. What, 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 do, you, what do we need to do to make more people who work with special needs children, who work with refugees mm -hmm. in those environments, mm -hmm. to have them be more like you? and to to relate to people as having something to give what do you think it would take it will take um, what i'm thinking is that i this day more focus on media technologies that because the technologies sometimes change the environment for example the I met some of the refugees, the children who is very skillful in the technology. So if they, the, with this kind of technology, they are able to create environment, they are able to perform, they want to be. So the, um, how can I say that that's why uh, I now thinking how we are able to create environment with this, these technologies together um, to develop. Yeah, it certainly is a, it offers an enormous amount. Mm. For example, the bringing together the Japanese students and the and the refugees in. Um, in Syria, mm -hmm. the Palestinians wouldn't have been possible. Mm -hmm. So you're someone who's, um, I think you just have to spread the word. You have to, maybe you should write something for a, a some kind of book or journal that 
is um, for people who work in refugee camps and and to teach them some of what you know and what you've experienced. Mm -hmm. um, and hopefully there'll be many, many people listening to this podcast episode uh, that do that kind of humanitarian work and they will be inspired by you. Thank you so much, Marco, for sharing your life and work with us. And thank you very much, always giving me the stimulating questions. Yeah. Thank you very much, Louis Sensei. You're welcome. Okay. Bye bye and take care. Bye.